0: Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. Good morning, City Lights Church. So glad to... uh be preaching to you again. Hopefully very soon you'll be here in these seats. We are aiming to have some type of gathering here next Sunday, June 7th. That's kind of been the date on my heart, um, but we wanted to wait. There's, um, we were supposed to actually get some guidelines last week um, for opening up, and the local Colorado government has been a little slow in getting those to us, um, so we decided to hold off for one more weekend. And, uh, but we should be getting those Monday. We want to take those new guidelines, digest them and with our team and, and uh, pray about and see about the best way of uh, reopening. Um, one of the things we want to be careful of, of doing is we don't want to launch out too fast too soon and then have to backpedal. We want it to be a opening more and more and more. We don't want to have to launch out and then go backwards. So um, pray for us. Pray wisdom over us, discernment over us. Um, you should expect to hear from us uh, this Thursday. We'll send out a communication by Thursday of what the following uh, weekend will look like. So we're hoping to have something here Sunday, June 7th, where you guys can come and join us. I am... Um, Excited to be preaching to them more than just the camera. In fact, it's kind of dark in here, and a couple weeks ago I couldn't even see the camera because it was kind of dark, and so I was like, can you guys put something on the camera so I can see it? So they have a plate taped to the top of the camera so I actually know which direction to look, but uh, I much prefer to be speaking to people in seats. Um, All right, so message. Uh, Two weeks ago, we began a new series, and we've been focusing on the end times, um, given that we're in a worldwide health crisis, um, Bible prophecy is kind of um, being peaked in people's interest right now. And so we're gonna, we've been talking about that. We are going to talk about that. But in what I'm talking about here, uh, more than the timelines and the charts and, and graphs and all that stuff, I, what I want to go after is God's heart for us God and God's heart for you in the end times. Um, God has a strategy for you. He has a strategy to keep you on fire for him. He has a strategy to keep you effective and he has a strategy to change the world through you. Okay, the title of our series is called God's in-time strategy. Um, I believe that God doesn't just want a church that is sitting around waiting to be bailed out of life's problems. Um, I believe that God wants a church that um, is called to be triumphant, overcoming, and victorious through the last days, okay? Um, we've been focusing primarily in Ma- uh, Matthew's chapter 24 and 25. I realize that there are other parts of the Bible that speak into um, the end times in great detail, but I believe that God's end time strategy is outlined for you, for his church, is outlined in these passages. And so that's what we've been going after. Um, last week, um, we started talking about the parable of the 10 virgins in Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to pick up there again. Um, if you missed last week's message, I highly encourage you to go listen to it. It's called Return of the King. And it talks about um, Jesus returning, Jesus, our heavenly bridegroom. He's coming back to this earth to retrieve, to get his bride, the church, so that we could ever be with him. Um, I was tempted, I'm tempted even now to do a lengthy review. I I don't have time for that because I have new content I want to get into. But last week, there's a definite content that I want to make sure you guys um, um, get into. But basically, just give you a quick synopsis. Uh, The return of Jesus, we talked about that the return of Jesus to this world to receive his bride, the church, to himself runs parallel with an ancient Jewish wedding with how that looks, the ancient Jewish wedding. Um, it is running parallel, and it will continue to run parallel with that. And so we have kind of glimpses into you know, why he went away and why he's preparing a place for his bride to be, okay? So go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it. But pretty much what we outlined last week was the groom's responsibility in this union. This week, I want to talk a little bit more about the bride's responsibility. Um, this isn't everything... All, an all-inclusive message of the bride's responsibility, but these are some things that I feel like are key to us. The title of my message this week is called The Virtuous Bride. The Virtuous Bride. Okay, so we're going to go back into the parable of the ten virgins. Okay, again, what is a parable? I mentioned this last week. A parable is a simple story that is used to reveal spiritual or moral truths. Jesus often used parables, uh, parables stories, stories, um, to reveal, and encoded in them, and under, in the story was the real story. In the story was the truth that he wanted to convey. And so, uh, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, it says this, at that time, okay, pause, hang, hang on one second, at the time, at what time? At the time Jesus returns to get... But he replied, uh, very truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Okay, you do not know the day or the hour of the Lord's return. All right, so we talked about the bridegroom last week. What is his responsibility? What's up with these 10 virgins and who are they? Um, To understand... 10 virgins, there's a few cultural things I think we need to understand. First of all, first of all, why the number 10? Um, the number 10 is, was an important number and is an important number to the Jewish people because it's connected to Jewish religious life. Um, for example, it takes uh, at least 10 men to hold a synagogue. Um, it takes at least 10 present to confirm a circumcision. Uh, there needs to be at least 10 individuals in a household to keep a Passover. Um, there needs to be at least 10 present at a marriage contract happening. Okay. Uh, remember, God said that he would spare Sodom and Gomorrah if there were 10 righteous in the city. So the number 10 is connected very much to the Jewish religious life. Okay. So what about these 10 virgins? Who were they? Well, in Bible times, um, it was very important for women and for men Um, to keep their virtue or to keep their purity. In other words, keep their virginity, keep themselves pure for marriage. Um, I would argue that it's still very important um, for people to wait until they're married married to to have sex. Um, But it's very important in that that culture. Um, Culturally, spiritually, this was a big deal. It was a big deal for people to remain pure and not to be promiscuous. So in those days... Uh, a young woman, when she got engaged or betrothed, what she would do is she would choose 10 of her closest friends or relatives, uh, young women who lived in her vicinity uh, that lived nearby. And these women would be what we consider today to be like bridesmaids, okay? That's who these 10 virgins were. They were like bridesmaids um, to the bride. Um, And the bridesmaids had a few responsibilities just as they do today. Uh, number one, and probably most importantly, they helped to see to it that the bride remained pure until her wedding day. And if they saw the bride kind of getting a little too nice with some guy, they would be quick to remind her, hey, you're promised to this guy over here, you're, you're betrothed, you're engaged to this guy. Or, or they would make sure that the, the betrothed couple would not consummate until they were officially married. Okay? Their, their goal, one of their goals was to help see to it that the bride keep her virtues, stay pure. Okay. Another thing they did was they helped the bride uh, to be ready. They helped her to stay prepared, especially more and more as the day drew near. Remember that the, the uh, groom would go away for a year to prepare a place for um, them to be married together. But the time of his exact arrival was unknown. Okay, now at the, at the wedding... Um, as it got closer and closer to the wedding, they would help the bride to stay ready for the return of the groom for the wedding. Um, not unlike weddings today. How many know that on a wedding day, the bridesmaids, oftentimes, they will, they'll help the bride with her hair, right? They'll help her with her makeup. They'll help her with her dress. Um, I'm doing a wedding later today, right here, and there's going to be a bride and bridesmaids, and, and there's gonna, they're going to be getting ready, right? They're going to put on some special clothes, okay? So they would help the bride get ready. Number three, they would also serve as an encouragement to the bride, while the bridegroom was the love of her life was a long time away and or delayed in his returning. They would serve as an encouragement to her. Hey, he's coming back to get you. He hasn't forgot about you. He's promised he's coming back, right? Um, because how many? How many know it, that could be a discouraging season? But how, how many know? concerning the return of the Lord Jesus, sometimes we need encouraged, right? He is coming back. And sometimes we need to encourage one another. Um, First Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. We read this verse last week. Speaking of the rapture, speaking of the return of Jesus, it says this, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And then watch this. Verse 18 says this, therefore encourage one another with these words. Sometimes we need to encourage one another of the promises of God. God's given us promises. God has spoken things over us. And sometimes at at times we need to come uh, to each other, encourage one another, and this is one of the ways we encourage one another. Hey, Jesus is coming back for you, for His bride. Okay, it can be discouraging at times at the wait uh, when we're waiting, when all the wrongs in the world, um, Jesus is going to come make all the wrongs right. That can be discouraging when we're waiting and in the process. Okay, so that's who the ten that's who the ten virgins are. We want to talk about um, a little bit more about the responsibility um, before I do that. What I want to say, and we're going to be getting into Matthew 25 more. There's the parable of the 10 virgins, the parable of the, the talents, and then the parable of the sheep and goats. One thing you're going to see in another passage of scripture, from what I can read, it appears that not every Christian who calls himself a Christian will be ready for the return of the Lord. I think that's pretty obvious. That not everyone who says, I'm a Christian, is going to be ready for the return of Jesus. This is a sobering reality that maybe even uh, 50%, if, 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 uh, if you can do that, if you could say five are wise, five are foolish, maybe even 50% of people who say um, I'm a Christian won't be ready for the return of Jesus. I don't know if that's the exact ratio, but you do see that happen a couple times in scripture. My point is this, not everyone. number one, not everyone who calls himself a Christian is, okay? And number two, I believe from what scripture is showing us here, is that not everyone who is a Christian is ready for the return of the Lord. That is a sobering reality. You know, we've talked about the last, um, uh, gosh, after Easter, I did a, I did a series on the grace of God and the love of God. As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. Those are beautiful, amazing scriptures. Um, but here's some sobering ones that not necessarily everyone who says Lord, Lord, you know, belongs to Him. So we need to, we need to take those scriptures and just. Let, let the Lord, like I said earlier, examine ourselves. Examine, Lord, am I ready for your return? See if there's any offensive way in me. Examine me, Lord. I want to be ready for your return. I want to be the, the pure spotless bride ready for your return. Okay, so what is our responsibility as the bride of Christ waiting for our, our Messiah, waiting for our bridegroom king to come back and get us? What is our responsibility? I'm going to give you three points. Point number one. We need to keep ourselves pure. The ten virgins, they were virgins, right? They had kept themselves pure. Now, I hope you understand when I'm talking about this, I'm not just talking about sexual promiscuity, okay? Although that could be included, certainly, okay? Um, I'm talking about, I'm asking, does your heart belong to the king? Does your heart belong to Jesus? Is Jesus, are you just confessing him as Lord or is he the Lord of your heart? Is he the Lord of your life? That's a good question, you guys. Does your heart belong to the king? Okay. We don't want to defile ourselves with any and everything in the world. Look at this Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 2, it says this Paul said this I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Paul's saying to this Corinthian church, I don't want you to be um, sharing your intimacy with with the world. I want to present you as a a pure virgin to Christ, that you are set apart for him for the wedding day, okay? We as believers should not be giving our hearts to any and everything, okay? There should be a difference, a big difference, a profound difference between a believer and and Christ and the rest of the world, okay? Okay? Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who call themselves believers, but there's nothing in their life that gives evidence to that fact. Okay, When you give your life to Jesus, yes, we still stumble along the way, and yes, we don't become perfect overnight, like, I don't know, we ever become perfect. Yes, we stumble along the way. Yes, we make mistakes. But there should be the work of grace, a profound difference in our lives. Okay, Not everyone who walked an aisle and prayed a prayer to receive the gift of God is a Christian. Um, I don't really understand that. I don't believe God will turn anyone away. You know, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But are we just coming to God to get our fire insurance so we don't go to hell? Or are we coming to him to give, give him our life? That is, that is receiving that gift of grace. We actually are handing over the reins to him as well. He, he needs to be the Lord of our lives. Amen. Okay. Um, James chapter 127 says this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after uh, orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, The world, if you are a Christian, you are a believer in Jesus, you still can be polluted. Your mind can be polluted. Your heart can be polluted by the world. We have to examine our lives. We have to keep careful watch over our lives Okay, and keep ourselves from being stained by the world. Uh, let's read this again, James 1.27. Uh, let's read this in the Passion Translation. I like this. True, spiritu- uh, true spirituality that is pure in the eyes of the, uh, our Father God is to make a difference in the lives of orphans and widows in their troubles and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. Okay, the world's values and Christ's values are not the same. There is a difference. We're not just like, Uh, except Jesus and and nothing should ever change in our lives, we should be different than the world. And you should be okay with being different than the world around you, amen? Okay, we as the bride of Christ should not be giving our purity to anything and everything in the world around us. Okay, now, um, I came across this video recently that I think helps illustrate this point. How do we keep our purity? How do we keep our virtue for Jesus? So I'm gonna let old Ronnie say it for me. Well, Ronnie, okay? Go ahead and play that video. I think the answer to curing inflation is a balanced budget. Now, how do you do that? I mean, well, it's not, how do you balance the budget? Well, balancing the budget is like protecting your virtue. You don't spend virt- more than you take in, right? Yeah, it's like protecting your virtue. You have to learn to say no. <laughs> There's got to be another way. <laughs> What's the second option? <laughs> There's got to be another way. No, there isn't. We have to learn. You actually have to learn to say no. Protecting your virtue, you have to learn to say no. For those of you who don't know, Ronald Reagan was president in the 80s, okay? And that was the Johnny Carson uh, show, for those of you who are much younger. Okay. Um, No, there's no other way to protect your virtue. Sometimes you need to learn, we need to learn to say no. We don't say yes to any and everything, okay? When the world wants to dilute you, we need to be able to say no. You need to have some boundaries, some boundaries in your life, okay? Um, Your standards should be different than the world's standards. Are they the same? Are they synonymous? Or are your standards different than the world standards, okay? So, keep yourself pure. You belong to Jesus. Our hearts should belong to the king. I don't want Jesus to come back. He is coming back for a pure, spotless bride. I don't want my heart to belong to so many other things. I want, first and foremost, my heart to belong to the king and have his lordship established in my life. Amen? Okay, that's point number one. Point number two, how do we keep ourselves ready for the return of Jesus? Number two, tend to your heart. Tend to your heart. Um, it's like a garden. It needs cultivated. It needs weeded. It needs, it needs worked, right? Matthew 24, uh, 7, it says this, then all the virgins woke up and they trimmed their lamps, okay? Uh, go ahead and put up that picture if you would. And this is a trimmed lamp, or I should say candle. It's not really a lamp. A trimmed candle versus an untrimmed candle. If you don't trim them, um, the wicks will get out of control. The one that is trimmed that is is clean and it's long lasting. That's what we want to be like. The one that is untrimmed is sooty and it's a short it's short lived. And back in those days in Bible days, they had their lamps with the oil. They would they would trim them to a point. But it'd be a nice clean point. After they burnt for a while, they would get they would get black. They would get messed up, and they had to continually trim their lamps. Listen, that is a metaphor for us. We need to trim our lamp, right? We need to trim this heart to make sure the things that aren't there, that aren't supposed to be there are trimmed off and the things that are supposed to be there are there. This takes time. This takes a process. Uh, Proverbs chapter four, verses uh, 23, it says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard, guard this thing, you guys. Guard your heart, guard your mind for everything you do flows from it. Tend to it. Let God prune away Anything that doesn't belong in your heart. Let him do the heart work. Let him do the hard stuff, okay? Um, This is a good reason why it's good to spend time with the Lord daily. It's good to get in the word daily. It's good to pray daily. Why? What are we doing? We're we're trimming our heart. We're we're trimming the, the wick of our heart so that we burn bright and clean for the Lord Jesus. Amen? Okay, let God tend your heart. Um, don't allow unforgiveness and bitterness to creep in. Don't allow the, the worry and the cares of this world to choke out the things that God wants to do in your life, okay? Take the time to prepare and cultivate your heart to be ready for your bridegroom king. He's coming back for a pure, spotless bride. Okay, that's point number two. That was a short one. Point number three, how can we be ready for the return of Jesus? Point number three, keep a reserve of oil. Okay, I well, want We'll talk about what the oil here is in just a minute. Keep a reserve of oil. Why? Well, it says this in Matthew 25, 3. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took jars, uh, oil and jars along with the lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Okay? Jesus basically, when he left this world, he basically kind of said, hey, I'll be right back, right? In fact, all of the apostles, it's, it's obvious from what they've written, that they felt like Jesus' return was imminent. He was going to come back in their day, okay? He said, I'll be right back, but he's been delayed in his coming. It's been like 2,000 years now, right? In fact, my whole life I've been hearing since I was a kid. I was born in 1980. Since I was a kid, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. We need to be careful um, not to become cynical about that. One of the things we need to do to be ready for the return of Jesus is watching and waiting for the return of Jesus. And if he doesn't come in your life... You haven't wasted anything by being ready for him. You haven't wasted anything by loving him and having your heart um, his, having your heart belong to him, okay? We haven't wasted anything by that. Jesus, it's in the delay, it's in the process, it's in the long wait that sometimes we can become discouraged and we need extra oil with us, okay? So what's this oil and how do we get more? What is the oil and how we get more? Well, undoubtedly... The oil represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It represents the Holy Spirit. But I want to say this. There are different types of anointings. There are different types of anointings. This particular anointing, from what we see here in Scripture, is not a transferable anointing. Okay? Uh, It it says this, Matthew 25, verse 8. "Uh, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. They said no. No. They replied, there there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Okay, so I don't believe the anointing oil that he's talking about here, I don't believe this particular anointing is a healing anointing or a spiritual gifts anointing for that, or or any of the spiritual gifts for that matter, because all of those are transferable. Um, You can actually be a very immature person and flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And apparently still not have this oil that we're talking about. Watch this. This is one of the most sobering scriptures in the entire Bible. This scripture bothers me. This scripture bothers me. Okay. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, it says this. Jesus said this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and drive out demons in your name, and perform uh, many miracles in your name, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Okay? Jesus said, uh, you know, <laughs> if we only had that portion of scripture, and not like the gospel of grace, and the epistles of Paul, and all that stuff, you would probably conclude that there is this is a works gospel, that you have to like work hard <laughs> to be right with God. We know that's not true. We know we receive salvation by grace. But... But grace, obviously grace should be transforming us and making our lives look different. That's the catch here. If we really are who we say we are, grace should be transforming us and we should allow grace to do its work in us. This is a sobering passage of scripture because I'm not going to stand before the Lord on that day and say, God, I preach to people, right? I'm not going to be able to say, I prophesied in your name. I drove out demons in your name. I performed miracles in my name or your name. Yeah, especially in my name, <laughs> And neither will you. You will not be able to stand before the Lord and say, I prophesied, I drove out demons, I performed miracles. He will say, I never knew you, okay? Okay, I never knew you. So this anointing that I I believe that he's talking about here is not a a gift or an administration of, of the Holy Spirit. I believe this anointing is the oil of intimacy with Jesus, okay? I can lay hands on you, and I can impart the anointing I walk in, spiritual gifts, but my intimacy with the Lord is not transferable. Okay, let me say it like this. Intimacy itself is not transferable. Intimacy by nature is firsthand knowledge. In fact, in this verse where he says, I never knew you, that's, uh, I believe it's the word gnosko. It means like intimate knowledge. In fact, it's the same um, when Mary was, um, when the angel told her that she was going to um, birth the Messiah, She said, I don't know, I've never known a man. I've never been intimate with a man before. Jesus used the the same word in this passage of scripture. I never knew you. I never had intimate knowledge with you. We've never been close like that, okay? So here's my point. Spiritual gifts are transferable, but intimacy is not transferable. Intimacy is firsthand knowledge, okay? Just because you flow in the gift, you have an amazing teaching gift, or a healing gift, it does not mean, or a, or, a, or a platform, it does not mean that you know the Lord on an intimate level. Okay? But we can know the Lord on an intimate level. <clears throat> I want to be one of these wise virgins. I want to be one that is promised to the Lord, and I'm a wise virgin because I've taken extra oil with me. I have the oil of intimacy in my life, and it overflows to every other area. Okay we 'll get more into this in in this next um, in these next few weeks because we 're going to talk about the parable of the talents, the parable of the sheep and goats, and I believe all of those hinge on this first one they all hinge on having the oil of intimacy with jesus first hand knowledge of knowing him okay all right i 'll conclude with this we want to keep oil in our lamps we want to keep burning I as an example i 've been on a lot of hikes. Uh, we like hiking, my family. On several occasions, I've gone out on hikes where I thought I would be back long before dark. Like, i be back long before dark, but for one reason or another, like, I needed a light. And I've been stuck miles, listen, miles from a trailhead <laughs> in dark without the moon, and I'm like groping in the dark. It is not cool. It's happened to me. Several times, and I've kind of become a little bit of a fanatic about having extra light with me because this has happened, okay? Um, listen, in this parable, it said at midnight the cry, the cry rang out. Here comes the bridegroom. Like, who, does a, who has a wedding at midnight? Like, no one. Like, in other words, Jesus is coming back when we're not really expecting him to come back. We need to have oil in our lamps during that time, okay? So um, go ahead and put up that picture, that first picture. Okay, I've, I think I've put this up before. But this is, um, this is everything I took with me to do like a 12-hour hike, um, an extended effort um, in the Maroon Bells up near Aspen. So a day hike. Okay, mind you, this is for a day hike. Not a night hike, but I want to just tell you like the contents of this pack. Uh, the red circle, that's my primary headlamp, and it had fresh batteries in it. The yellow circle, there's extra batteries for my headlamp. The orange circle is my backup headlamp that had fresh batteries in it. The green circle is the extra batteries for my backup headlamp. The blue circle is a USB battery charger for my phone because my phone has a light on it as well. And the dark blue circle uh, is matches in the lighter, okay? And then, b- by the way, go to the next picture. All that folds up very nicely into my pack, okay. So, and it's, and it's actually very light. It's, it's not very heavy. So. Again, this, what I'm saying here, this is not for like a night hike. This is like a a day hike. I'm planning on being out during the sun, like kind of when the sun comes up and then being done by the time the sun goes down. I wasn't planning on using any of my light, but that's the fanatic I've become about hiking. Um, My family, we we go on a lot of day hikes, and I'm like, do you guys have a headlamp? It's like, no, we're going for like a two-hour hike at noon. Like, no, bring a headlamp (laughs) because I've been stuck way too many times in the dark without a headlamp, Okay. Listen, we, the church, we don't want to be caught in the end times, in dark times, without having a reserve of oil with us, okay? Your heart needs a reserve of that oil of intimacy. The Bible says that many people's love would wax cold. It would wax cold. The love of the half of the Lord would, would go away, Okay. We don't want to be stuck in the end times without this oil of intimacy. It is the most, I think, the most important thing you can do in this life. Everything we do flows from it, okay? Because Jesus is coming at an hour when we don't expect him, okay? So store up the oil of intimacy. Everything else hinges on it. I want to pray for you, and I hope this blessed you guys. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are returning, Lord, to this world. You're returning for that pure, spotless bride, Lord God. Help us to be ready, God. Help us to have our hearts set apart for you not mixed with the world, Lord, not mixture, Lord God, but set apart pure for you, Lord God. Help us to be ready for your return, God. Help us to trim our hearts, to prune away anything that doesn't belong there, Lord God, and help us to cultivate that intimacy with that deep fellowship with you, Jesus, God. We're not gonna stand on our, on our did we prophesy? Did we do this? Did we do that in, in that last day, Lord God? But we'll be able to stand on the fact that we knew you. We knew you and we had intimacy with you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. Well, before we close, I do want to speak to one more group of people. That's those of you who are maybe you're watching and you've never taken that first step in a relationship with Jesus. I've talked mostly to people who are believers of how to be prepared for the return of the Lord. But we really do have to receive that grace, that first step, so that he can come into your heart and help you. Because you can't clean yourself up to get right with God. The grace of God has to come in and has to help you so that you can live this life that I've been talking about. So if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now, right where you're sitting. And I want to lead you into that. Um, And if you would just pray this prayer after me. And mean it with all of your heart. It's not in the eloquence of the words that I'm about to say, but the cry of the heart that God sees and hears. Everyone repeat this prayer for me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for coming to this world. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking the penalty of my sin. Today I place my faith and trust in you. Lord, give me the gift of salvation, the gift of righteousness the gift of relationship with you. And God, help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, church. Well, listen, if you prayed that prayer, uh, thank you for making that decision. And uh, if you would, um, following the close of this service, go to our website, <clears throat> citylights.church, and click on the Connect card. And just let us know that you made that decision. We want to follow up with you about some of this, some of the next steps um, that you can do um, in following the Lord. So if you do that, that would be amazing. We love you guys. We're hoping, hoping that there will be some more people here next week. And uh, pray for us as we have a lot of big decisions to make. We want to be prudent about these decisions We want to be spirit-led about these decisions. So our team has a lot to do this week. So be praying for us. We love you guys. Have an awesome week. God bless. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.